<laughs> okay, how many of you guys actually watched this movie? Okay, yeah, you, most of you guys didn't do your homework. It's okay, I'll talk about the movie. Um, every time we start a movie series, I always ask how many of you guys watched the movie and only half of your hands go up. So um, either you didn't vote for it and you're protesting or whatever the case is, <laughs> but too bad this is what we're talking about today. So this movie, The Last Jedi, is the eighth movie in the epic saga of the Star Wars films. And um, I was pretty late to the Star Wars film world. Um, whenever it was playing on TV was what I watched when I was a kid. We had one of those VHS tapes that, that, you know, like sometimes it speeds up, sometimes it slows down because it's such an old tape. And I didn't understand the movie that well, um, but eventually in college I, started to, I decided to sit down and start watching. So I was late to the game. And now I like it, uh, I love it. And then when episode eight came out, for some reason it was really divisive. Right, when episode seven, uh, the, what was that called, Force Awakens, when that came out, people were like, it felt like Star Wars, I loved it, it you know, because uh, it reminded me of the original trilogy. Now, this movie is very divisive. Now, the original trilogy, I have a DVD or Blu-ray of it right here, and because um, I want to make sure I watch it in all the glory of, of high definition, and I like to watch it. I'm going to be referring to this movie because I'm sure more of you have seen the original trilogy, then you have seen uh, episode eight, I'm just guessing, okay? So um, it's, it's a very divisive movie, episode eight is, The Last Jedi. And it was di directed by a guy named Ryan Johnson. And he, he was a Star Wars fan growing up. He, he had a lot of ideas as to what he should do with this movie when he was hired to make this movie. He actually didn't get, watched, didn't get to watch episode seven when he wrote this story. He just read the script and he said, episode seven is being in production right now. So I want you to start working on episode eight. And so, Based off of the first draft of the, of the script, he started working on this one. As they made changes, he made changes. And this is what we have. And it's a very divisive movie. And it's not just like, I kind of like episode eight. It's like, I love episode eight, the best Star Wars movie ever, or I need to kill somebody because somebody ruined my childhood, right? Uh, I don't know if you guys caught the news from uh, San Diego Comic-Con, yeah, yeah, where there was like a whole gathering of people who were there to like protect one of the actresses because she was, like, there's so much hate that was going on in her, uh, Kelly Marie Tran, is that her name? People were hating on her that she had to, like, shut down her social media, and so there's, like, everybody dressed up as her at this Comic-Con saying, like, we're here to support Rose. Uh, it's kind of weird, yeah. But, man, this is so divisive, right? And I don't know how many of you guys watched it and said, this is the worst Star Wars movie ever, and some of you guys are like, this is such a brilliant movie. When I, um, all these Star Wars movies, I, I, I always have a movie buddy. Daryl and I watch movies together all the time. And we watched it, and afterwards, he looked at me and he said, it was good, right? And I'm like, I think so. <laughs> and, and, you know, and we would talk about it every once in a while afterwards, and, and we'll, we'll talk about what we discovered about the movie hours later, or what we thought about it, how, if our mind changed. Um, <clears throat> so today I want to talk about this very simple idea of why is this so divisive? Why are people feeling like they've been violated? <laughs> you know, like they, they grew up on this movie, right, with Luke Skywalker, and then you watch this movie and you realize, man, Luke wasn't as heroic as I thought he would be. Like, you just ruined my childhood. And so I, I, I want to share with you why I think, a theory, why I think a lot of people like the original trilogy. And then I'll move into episode eight. So the original trilogy is about this guy, Luke Skywalker. This is what he looks like in episode eight with the facial hair and everything, Luke Skywalker. And he was the poster child of the original trilogy. Everybody, when they thought about Star Wars, they thought about Luke Skywalker. He was the dude. He was the guy. And the reason why we liked him is because when you watch the movies, you're like, I could be just like him. Like, the whole 
theme, I think one of the messages of the original trilogy is this, that you can be a hero too. Why? Well, because he starts as a nobody. He was at a farm. Nobody knew him in the galaxy. His family knew about it. My aunt and uncle knew about me, but people on the other side of the galaxy, they've never heard of Luke. You know, they never heard of Luke Skywalker before, right? And you're like, yeah, outside of my immediate community, nobody knows me. So like, like, he's relatable, right? And then after that, you discover that you're special. Like you have this special ability that you were actually a descendant of some great Jedi masters of the past. Like, oh, like I, I'm special. And deep down inside, we all want to be that. We're going to be like, one day we wake up and we find out that we're actually related to somebody that's great. Or we have this inner power that we never knew that and it was just awakened. And you're like, oh, I can move things with my hands, or, you know, right? And then after that, when people discover how great you are, people just want to train you. And so they start discipling you, and you're like a Padawan, you're like, right? And you're trained by great people like Obi-Wan Kenobi, and in the next episode, it was Yoda, and, right? And they work together to make you into this great guy. Oh, by the way, in the first ep- uh, episode four, you, you, you're on this X-Wing, and in the movie, they don't say anything about how you were trained to be an X-Wing pilot. You're just good at it, right? And you're flying through the trenches, and you drop that bomb, or I'm, I'm probably blaspheming some terminologies here. What is that? Was it a bomb? Craig? Something torpedo? Okay. Okay. Photon? Tor- no, is that? Okay, anyways. Okay. Right? It, right? And then it blows up, and when you blow up the, pla- the, the Death Star, you're like, yes, I want to be able to do that too, right? And then on, on top of that, right, um, you eventually grow greater than the ones that doubted you in the first place. So, you know, your uncle and aunt are like, you can't leave here because you're nothing, you know? And then all of a sudden, you defy them, and you prove to them that your hunch was right all along. Don't we all have that inside of us too? When somebody says, uh-uh, you're not going to do that, but deep down inside you know you're right and your parents are wrong or your boss is wrong, your manager is wrong, your teachers are wrong, and then eventually you prove them wrong. I mean, that's the greatest feeling, right? And so you're like, I want to be just like Luke. I want to be like Luke, you know? And, and, and not only that, the greatest villain, you don't just defeat him. You're the only one that believes in him that there's still good in him. So you talk to him and you don't let him get the best of you, and, and through the movie, you're like, don't give in to the dark side, Luke. Don't do it. Don't do it, because I believe in you, and you're a representation of me, so I wouldn't do it, so you better not do it, and then eventually, he changes the greatest villain of the galaxy. He changes his heart. It's like, I know there's still good in you, and he's like, you're right. I'm good, you know, and he just kind of flips, right, and so I want to talk about this idea of ideals, ideals. This movie, the original trilogy, was based on ideals. We all want to be like Luke. We all think that, yes, if I had those abilities, I would use it for good, right? That is exactly why we, you and I, love Star Wars, the original trilogy, episodes four through six, because he's a hero, and you want a hero to look like that. Humble beginnings, great finish, you don't destroy the bad guy. Instead, what you do is you change his heart, and we all win. And there's a big celebration with little furry whatever, you know, running around, and you're celebrating with them, and it's like a lot of fun, and you're like, I want to be part of that story, and here's the thing that tops it off, okay? He didn't have any skills to accomplish this. He had a feeling. We call it the force, right? He's like, put on the visor. Don't look. Just let your feelings guide you. Just extend and let the force control you, so you're like, I've had feelings before, right? I think I could hit a home run if I had a bat and there was a perfect pitch, right? I feel like I could accomplish this if you just give me the right opportunity. I, you know, and do you have any formal training? No, but I have this feeling inside of me. You're on the X-Wing and your gear is bro- broken and you're like, I don't know, and you hear this voice, use the force. And you're like, okay, close, the f- you know, close my eyes, perfect shot, save the world, right? And you're like, I don't have any skill. 
I could be a Jedi. Maybe I'm a Jedi. Maybe my father, maybe I'm adopted. I don't know. Maybe he's a Jedi too. And so that's what this is all about. Now, what's cool is that those three episodes, right, with that one main character, the, the thing that makes him into a hero is now dispersed in the new trilogy into these three characters. Now, if you don't know the movies, okay, on this side, we have Poe. His name is Poe Dameron. He's a X-Wing fighter pilot. In the middle, we have Ray, and over here to my left, you ha- uh, you're right, we have Finn, who used to be a stormtrooper, turned good, right? And what, th- what they did in this movie is that they took all the things I just listed right now and dispersed those qualities into these three characters. So when you watch episode seven, the last one, right, you're watching it thinking like, oh, this feels like Star Wars. Why? Because you see those qualities in these three characters. Now, <clears throat> Ryan Johnson decided the director wanted to do something different with this movie, something really strange about it, because he felt like ex- that Star Wars needed to be updated for the current generation. And so this is what happened. So what I'm going to talk about is I'm going to talk about each of these characters and how they possess these qualities that Luke had in the original trilogy, okay, and how it doesn't work anymore. Okay, so let's start with Poe Dameron. This is Poe Dameron, good-looking guy, okay? Now, Poe Dameron, he is the, he is the X-Wing fighter. He, he, he knows how to pilot anything. He's really good at what he does. And in the scene I'm going to show you in a few minutes, okay, in a few seconds, the bad guys, they're called the First Order, they come towards this planet because they found out where the good guys, where their base is. And I'm using good guys and bad guys because I'm assuming most of you guys don't know the terminology. So there's the bad guys and the good guys. The bad guys are coming towards the good guys, and they're about to destroy the base of the good guys. So General Leia says... Okay, we need a distraction. Distract these guys, these bad guys up here, so that these good guys can escape. That's all I want you to do. Okay, and this is how the movie starts. So take a look at the screen to see that scene. The last transport's in the air. The evacuation is complete. We did it, Poe. Now get your squad back here so we can get out of this place. No, General, we can do this. We have a chance to take out a dreadnought. These things are fleet killers. We can't let it get away. Disengage now, Commander. That is an order. Wipe that nervous expression off your face, 3PO. Oh, well, I will certainly try, General. Nervous. You're demoted. Well, wait. We, we took down a dreadnought. At what cost? You start an attack, you follow it through. Poke, get your head out of your cockpit. There, there are things that you cannot solve by jumping in an X-Wing and blowing something up. I need you to learn that. There were heroes on that mission. Dead heroes. No leaders. So the original trilogy, Luke Skywalker will get on the X-Wing and blow things up, and then they win. That's how they won, won the entire battle. Right, And so a character like Poe Dameron, who grew up learning the stories and the legends of this guy named Luke Skywalker, thought, that's what I need to do. Not only that, I need to disobey my superiors because I know what's best. I'm going to go with this gut feeling, you call it the force, whatever you want, this gut feeling I have inside of me. I'm going to disobey General Leia, who is actually a Jedi, right? Um, to just go with my gut feeling, and I'm going to just go and destroy and keep shooting at these guys. And as a result... They, he actually took down the, the big ship, but in, as a result, they lost a lot of their own fighters. And General Leia's like, I can't believe you disobeyed me. Look at all the people who died because of you. And this is weird because if you grew up watching this, 
what he did was a heroic act, right? But all of a sudden, it's kind of flipped upside down. He's like, wait a minute, how come I'm not a hero? He showed up in front of the general layer thinking he's going to get promoted or you know, he's going to get a, a standing ovation like Luke did. Instead, he gets a slap in his face. What's up with that, right? So let's talk about the next character. Next character is Ray. Okay, she is a mysterious character as we met her in episode seven. She, we don't know much about her past. We just know her name is Ray. Okay, and we know that she has some kind of power that resembles powers of the Jedi, right? She has some kind of powers, but we don't know much about her past. We don't even know who her parents are. That was the big mystery in episode seven. By the way, after Seven came out, everybody was like speculating, oh, I bet you the, the, the dad is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because we learned from the original trilogy that if you're going to be a great character in this movie, you have to be related to somebody in the past that's a great character, right? So people are like, that's Luke Skywalker's daughter. No, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi's daughter. I thought he was like a daughter of an evil guy. But, you know, like, so everybody had their own speculation, right? And throughout this movie, she's look, trying to find out who am I? Who am I? And so she goes and seeks out Luke Skywalker, the old version of Luke Skywalker, and he's, she's asking him questions, and he's avoiding her every step of the way. And on the times that he ignores her, she has these visions, these visions of the enemy. His name is Kylo Ren, a.k.a. Ben Solo, okay? He's, she's having these visions of Ben Solo, and they're like having this Skype conversation, going back and forth, like, like, do you see me? He's like, I see you. How come we're talking to each other? And as they're having these conversations, she starts to connect with the enemy, and she starts to get this vision that maybe, like maybe when, I'm, when I see him in real life, I'll be able to change his mind, just like Luke was able to do with Darth Vader. So she's feeling like, I can be the hero by changing his mind, changing his heart. But Luke Skywalker is like, that is the worst idea in the world. Why? Because I have this special ability to look inside people's hearts, and I know there's only darkness in Kylo Ren. Take a look at the scene. This will show you more than I could explain. You failed him by thinking his choice was made. It wasn't. There's still conflict in him. If he returned from the dark side, that could shift the tide. This could be how we win. This is not going to go the way you think. It is. Just now, when we touched hands, I saw his future. As solid as I'm seeing you. If I go to him, Ben Solo will turn. Ray, don't do this. There's an ongoing pattern here, isn't there? They think they know better than their superiors, which they might, right? We don't know, right? But they feel like in order to be a hero like in the original trilogy, and the irony here is that it's actually Luke Skywalker they're referring to, I need to go with my gut feeling. And not only that, I'm going to be able to change that person's heart. Now, I want to show you the next scene, which is the outcome of what Ray just did. So take a look at the screen for that. don't have to do this. I feel the conflict in you. It's tearing you apart. Ben, when we touched hands, I saw your future. Just the shape of it, but solid and clear. You will not bow before Snoke. We'll turn. I'll help you. I saw it. I saw something too. Because of what I saw, I know when the moment comes, you'll be the one to turn. You'll stand with me. Right? I saw who your parents are. 
underestimate Skywalker. And Ben Solo. And me. It will be your downfall. Oh. Have you seen something? A weakness in my apprentice. Is that why you came? <laughs> Young fool. It was I who bridged your minds. I stoked Ren's conflicted soul. I knew he was not strong enough to hide it from you. And you were not wise enough to resist the bait. Snoke, who's the supreme leader in this story, he knew deep down inside that she, lived, she was living according to her ideals, that one day she'll be able to turn Kylo Ren to good and use that as bait. I mean, that's like genius, right? <laughs> it's like, I know that we're dealing with a bunch of young people in this generation who grew up on this stuff, right? That, that Luke Skywalker is the guy that changed Darth Vader's heart, so you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna plant this idea in, in Rey, and that's how I'm gonna bait her over to come over here to make her think that she's actually capable of changing Kylo Ren's heart. And he basically laughs in her face saying, like, I gotcha, you were too weak, you were so foolish, you, you fell for my trap, you were here because you thought you were a hero, right? And, and so that's, that, again, like, she disobeys Luke Skywalker, her superior, thinking that she knew what was right, because that's what Luke did in this original trilogy, right? And so, do you see a pattern here, how there's this new generation of heroes, quote-unquote heroes, who think that they could be just like Luke Skywalker by doing the things that he did, only to find out that it doesn't work anymore. Let's talk about the third character. His name is Finn. This guy right here, Finn. He used to be a stormtrooper. I don't have any video clips of him for you because, you know, it could get really long. But this is what happened with him. As he found out the bad guys were coming upon the good guy's ship, right, they tried to escape by using light speed, like, they fly away. And usually you can't track that. But the bad guys caught up with them. And they're like, how did he do that? How did he do that? And he stumbles upon some information that he thinks he knows how, he did, how the bad guys did it. So instead of sharing that information with General Leia or anybody in charge, they, he decided to keep it to himself because he wanted to solve the problem on his own. So he decided to get on an escape pod and go to this planet called Canto Bight, which is like a big casino planet, right? And it, by the way, for those of you guys who think that, can't, that scene, that whole scene, what, 30-minute scene on that planet was a waste of time, that wasted time happened because Finn decided to, to, to take matters into his own hands. So more reasons to agree with me on this one. Okay, so, <laughs> right? And so he goes to this planet, Canto Bight, and he finds a code master who will help him in, go into the bad guy's base. And, but, so he, they find this guy. His name is DJ, this guy, played by Vinicio del Toro, right? And as they're bringing him into this plan, he overhears the actual plan that they're going to do, okay? And that plan, okay, when they get caught, next scene, he reveals that bad, the, the, the secret plan to the bad guys for money, and because of that, many people die needlessly. Why did Finn do this? Well, of course, because that's what Luke Skywalker did. That's, that's, that's how he became a hero. He had some special knowledge, and he was going to use that against the bad guys, but in their carelessness, it ended up killing a lot of their own allies. So Finn failed. And so after watching this movie, a lot of people didn't like this movie because they watched it and said, it's destroying the ideals of my childhood. In other words, they've started realizing that the ideals of the past stories no longer work. 
I don't like Star Wars, the new one, because all the hopes and dreams of becoming like Luke Skywalker were kind of dashed. I, I wish I could go back. I wish this movie never existed, and a lot of people would say that, right? But as I was watching this two or three times preparing for this message, this is what I also discovered. It's not that the ideals of the past stories no longer work. It's that the past stories were actually idealized. Do you see the difference there? Are you guys following? There were some things that we look back to the original trilogy and say, man, that was, such, that was the perfect movie. But if you were to watch it again, you'll find all the flaws in there. But for some reason, you've kind of pushed that out of your picture and you've idealized it. And in the same way, Luke Skywalker tells people in this movie, he says, by the way, you think uh, like everything was perfect? Like you think you're, I'm, I'm your superhero? No, 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 no. We were actually flawed too. I don't know why you guys didn't pick up on that. Like, Ray, why, why aren't you picking up on the fact that what I was doing, the Jedi Order, what we were doing was wrong most of the time? Here, take a look at this scene right here. Lesson two. Now that they're extinct, the Jedi are romanticized, deified. But if you strip away the myth and look at their deeds, <laughs> the legacy of the Jedi is failure, hypocrisy, hubris. That's not true. At the height of their powers, they allowed Darth Sidious to rise, create the Empire, and wipe them out. It was a Jedi master who was responsible for the training and creation of Darth Vader. And a Jedi who saved him. Yes, the most hated man in the galaxy, but you saw there was conflict inside him. You believed that he wasn't gone, that he could be turned. And I became a legend. See, Luke Skywalker knows exactly what the problem is here. He's saying, you guys are trying to be like a Jedi master, you guys are trying to be like me, when you guys don't realize that our, my, the, my story is actually very flawed. And for some reason, you're just picking up on the good parts thinking they could be just like that. But you're actually falling into the exact same trap that I've been living through. So he's basically saying, wake up, take a look. The past isn't as rosy as you think it was. It's actually filled with errors and failures and a lot of people dying. And you guys are repeating the exact same thing, so stop looking at me like a legend. But to idealize your past also means to shut off some of the things in your past that don't fit into that rosy picture that you created for yourself in the past, right? And what's interesting about Ray's character is that Ray, through her story, she's, walk, she's, she's trying to change Kylo Ren's mind and his heart, right? All along, she's shut off her past. You know, this, in, this, in this story, she's been trying to figure out who her parents are. As it turns out, she knew who, exactly who her parents were all along. It's just that she kind of shut it off because she wanted to believe that she was related to somebody that was greater than just some regular parents. And the person who actually helps her understand this is actually the enemy. So take a look. This is the last thing we're going to take a look at today. Ben? It's time to let old things die. Snoke, Skywalker, the Sith, the Jedi, the Rebels, let it all die. Ray, I want you to join me. We can rule together and bring a new order to the galaxy. Don't do this, Ben. Please don't go this way. No, no, you're still holding on! Let go! Do you want to know the truth about your parents? Or have you always known? Are you just hidden it away? You know the truth. Say it. Say it. They were nobody. They were filthy junk traders who sold you off for drinking money. 
the dead in a pauper's grave in the Jakku Desert. You have no place in this story. You come from nothing. You're nothing. You're nothing, yeah. <laughs> That's how you make friends. You're nothing. No. <laughs> Ray can't let go of her... Uh, she can't move forward in her story because she has a hard time letting go, letting go of her past. And Kylo Ren is saying, it's time to let go of your past because it's not that rosy to begin with. All along, Ray's been lying to herself, telling herself, no, no, my parents are great. My parents might be a Jedi. My parents are going to come and pick me up from that place I was found in original, you know, right? The whole time, she's uh, idealizing her past by ignoring the, 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 the darkness of it. And, you know, and Kylo Ren's the one that's like, come on, just say it. You know it. You know the answer to this question. My parents are nobody. They actually traded you just for drinking money. And when she came to that, the terms, she realized my past wasn't as rosy as I thought it was, right? Meaning, okay, the reason why you can't let go of your past is because you've actually idealized it. You can't let go of my idealized past. And, you know, I, I think about this, and I'm like, wow, how, what a flawed character she is. As a matter of fact, what a flawed character everybody is. And now that I watch this movie, what a flawed character Luke Skywalker is. But then I realize I'm also a flawed character. When I think about, like, all the things in my past, and I, I tend to, look, you know, um, remember the past in terms of good, good memories, right? And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But to deny the fact that I had darknesses in my past is also flawed. You know, what's interesting is... Um, uh, recently, I was in Japan, and my parents, uh, my mom was there, and she met us there, and she was like cleaning out all her old albums and pictures. And I looked through the pictures, and I realized, man, you had a great childhood, mom, you know. And and surprised that they had cameras back then, but you had a great childhood. And then um, black and white, though, you know. So, and then you know, I was looking through all these pictures, and she was like, yeah, this was a hard time in my life. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, it looks like you're smiling all the time. She's like, yeah, we smile for the camera, right? Of course because that's how we want to remember it. But all of us do this. We try to just remember the good parts of our past without thinking about the bad parts. And this is why it's so hard for us to move forward because we want to hold on to this idealized past when that's really not that, it's, it's really not that past that you think that it is. We think that the original trilogy was great, and it was, don't, don't throw things at me, right? But the reason we can't move on to the new trilogy is because, oh, I love you so much, you're perfect, when really it's not, right? And then we do that with our lives. Now, so this is church. This is Sunday morning. Okay, so there has to be a Bible verse. So I'm going to talk about that in a second, okay? Because, okay, there's a verse in the Bible. There's a whole section in the Bible where, where a character named Paul the Apostle, he, he's, you know, he's one of the first Christian leaders. He is basically writing a letter to this place, this church that's found in a place called Philippi. Now, I'll give you a little background. Okay, Philippi was a very strong Christian community uh, inside of like a very strong militant community. Okay, so it was very small. And so they were being attacked from their own city, the people in their own city for being a Christian because these militant people had their allegiance to Caesar and Caesar called himself God. And these guys, these small group of people, they believe in Jesus, who they called God. And so it was a conflict of interest. So these people who were living there, who were militant, were always attack this church. And Paul wanted to write a letter of, of encouragement saying, guys, hang in there. But one of the problems that he noticed with these people in Philippi was that because they're always on the defensive, it's hard for them to move forward. So he's like, let me give you some tricks. Up. You know, I, I have some tricks up my sleeve that helps me move forward from just being defensive in my, in my faith. So I just want to give you, like, a word of encouragement. And this is the part we're going to look at today, right? It goes like this. I, Paul, know, want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. He's like, you know what my goal in life is? I want to have that same power that Jesus had 
of this resurrection idea. Now, can I fill you in on what that means? Resurrection means, like, if something goes bad, like a relationship, you're able to revive that relationship. If, if there is corruption in the world, you're able to make good out of it. You're able to take anything that's fallen apart and make it into something good, right? Jesus died on the cross. He resurrected on the third day. There's good, but there's, there's bad, but there's also good at the end of the story. He's like, I want to be that person in this world that's making more heaven on earth. That's what he's saying here. I want that life, okay? But then he says, but to be like Christ is not just about the resurrection. There's another part of it. And he says this, and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in death, like in his death, he's like, but with that comes also death. There isn't a new life unless there's death to begin with, right? There is no new grass unless there is fertilizer, you know, and sometimes life feels like fertilizer. So, so he's like, he's like, that's part of the deal. And so people will say, Paul, why would you want that life? I mean, I like the resurrection idea over there, but you have to go through this valley of torture and suffering and self-denial and attacking, being attacked from the people around you. Do you really want that life? And so Paul says, let me just kind of clarify for you what I mean by this. So he ends it by saying this. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So he's like, you have to go through the suffering in order to experience this resurrection. Okay, so for some of you, it's when I became a Christian, some of my friends started not want to be, they don't want to be around me anymore. But he's like, but that's also the path to resurrection. So you have to go through this suffering state before you could actually be a good to the world. So he's like, hang in there. He's like, hang in there, church in Philippi. It's going to be hard, okay? But it's going to be good at the end. I promise you, the end results can be totally worth it. But, Paul would say, I notice that there are some things that are holding you back from the suffering part. Because you're suffering right now. People are attacking you from, that, from your own city, right? And you want to give up. So I notice there's something holding you back. So he continues his letter. He says this. Not that I have already obtained all this. Like, not that I've actually arrived on the good side of the story yet or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, but I know that Jesus believes in me. Jesus has done, gone through this journey ahead of me, so I know that there is a good thing at the end of the story. Then he continues. Brothers and sisters, here's my tip for you. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do is like, this is the one thing that I always tell myself when I realize I'm stuck in my faith, that I'm always on the defensive, or when I see the, the crazy road ahead of me and I just want to give up. This is what I do. And he says, this is the one thing I want you to know. And this is what he says. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Now, when somebody tells you, hey, I want you to let go of your past. I want you to let go of the things in the past. You usually associate that with bad things. Like, that thing that happened to me the other week, I just want to forget it. I want to move on, so I'm just going to let it go. But scholars submit that right here, Paul is actually talking about the good things in our lives. He's saying the success that you experienced last week, it's time to let that go and move towards the suffering that God has for you. And if you want to nerd out with me, because some of you guys are Bible nerds, okay. Some scholars submit that this actual verse is a callback to the Exodus story. And I'll, I'll finish this part in like really quick so that some of you guys who are getting bored are like, okay. So this is what he's talking about. The Israelites who were slaves in Egypt, okay, they were slaves. Let's call this Egypt right here, okay. Moses said, let's get out, let's go, let's go, let's go. And he pulls all these people out of slavery towards the promised land. But in between, there's this big desert. And these people, halfway through, are like, we want to go back. We want to go back to being slaves. Why? Because they had meat. Here we get bread. 
out the back there, we have barbecue, right? And so what they started to do was they started to idealize their experience of being slaves. And so, so Paul is kind of calling back to that story saying, you guys, do you guys remember the Exodus story? Like right now you're being attacked from all ends and you just want to give up. The life that you left to become a Christian, you're idealizing it. Remember where you used to be? How you felt empty? Remember that? You really want to go back to that? So here Paul is talking about the exact same thing that, that Ray is going through in this movie, which is the path ahead of you seems so hard that you're forced in some way to do some brain gymnastics to make yourself believe that your past where you came from was actually better than it actually was. Are you guys following? Okay, good. Okay. So he's saying, Paul is saying, where you came from, sure, you might have been more comfortable than, than this path right here, but to say that that's where you want to actually live the rest of your life, you're totally idealizing your past. So forget about it. Just forget that past because it's not as good as you remember it. Our brains do these things to make ourselves, convince ourselves that it was better so that we could have an excuse not to move on with our journey. For some of you, it might be a job. God has called you away from your job to move into a different type of job, and you're like, but over there, at least I got good pay, and the coworkers appreciated me. And then Paul would knock on your heart and say, uh, no, they made fun of you every day at work, and it was very corrupt there, and your pay was so-so. But you somehow in your mind made it look like it was actually really nice so that you could justify staying right where you are. This is what he's talking about. So he says, this is, what the, this is the advice I tell myself, Paul would say, and I'm telling you, he would say to the Philippians, he would say, forget what is behind and strain, uh, straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, heavenward is not like you die and go to heaven, right? He's talking, if you read on the context, you'll discover that he's actually talking about heaven on earth. So he's saying, this path ahead of you is going to be really hard, but you need to let go of this idealized past because that's not real, okay? Because, <laughs> you know, it's actually worse than you actually remember it. And if you go through it, I guarantee you this heaven on earth in the future is going to be way better than what you had in the beginning. So he says, so f- the key is let go of your past. Let go of your past that is not even real because we have a tendency to justify in our own minds that our past was better than what's ahead of us. What was okay in our brains is, was very good, and he's like, that's not very good, that was just okay. It's time to move on. So in other words, this is the point. We have to let go of our idealized past so that we can move towards the best. We have to move on towards what is best. Now, um, some of you guys are thinking like, well, I don't want to do, uh, I, I don't want to let go of these, this relationship it's toxic and it's bad. I don't want to let go because, because at least I have somebody in my life, right? It's like this, this girlfriend that I have is perfect, uh, not perfect. Well, okay, I, in my mind, I convinced myself that she's perfect because I'm so afraid of being alone. And God would say, I know the path ahead of you looks very lonely, but I guarantee you when you get through that valley, it's going to be heaven on earth on the other side. Oh, I want to share this really hard thing in my heart, but I'm afraid that if I share it with my life group, people might judge me. It's like, I know the, this, the road ahead of you looks really rocky. You might be really scared. But keeping that to yourself, don't, don't convince yourself that your life was perfect when you were keeping all that to yourself. Maybe it's time that you let go of that and start sharing with the people, sharing your life with other people. Oh, but, but, but you know, um, and it, could be, you know, it could be anything. Something in your life that you said that you were convincing yourself was really good when it really wasn't, just so you could avoid the tough road ahead of you. And Paul says, when you get to the other side, I guarantee you, 
It's heaven on earth. It was, it'll be worth the crazy travel they went through. When Paul wrote the book of Philippians, he was actually in prison. He says, the suffering that I'm suffering through right now, this, this, this agony that I'm feeling right now, it's all worth it at the end. What we're all going to experience together at the end of the story. So let go of that past that really wasn't that good to begin with. And I think Ryan Johnson, not that he studied the book of Philippians with me or anything like that, but I believe that's what he's trying to say. It's time to let go of the things he held so dearly onto to embrace the future of this franchise called Star Wars. (laughs) But a lot of you guys are like, but okay, so like someone like Paul, and we do this to Paul and we do this to Jesus too. We look at the end result story. We're like, look at Jesus. He resurrected on the third day. Look, he did some amazing stuff. Look how he set so many people free. Look at Paul. You know how much encouragement he brought to the world? And now we make them into legends, right? We look at them and say, wow, I want to be just like Jesus. I want to be just like Paul. I want to be just like Peter. Really? Oh, yeah, like, like, you know, Peter's story filled with so many failures, right? But when we think about our heroes, we don't think about their failures. We only think about their successes, when we think about basketball players, whoever your favorite basketball player is, you're thinking about, remember that game where he crossed over, he stepped back, he shot, and there's zero seconds on the clock, and it left his finger right when the clock hit zero, and it was going in, and it was whoosh, a three-pointer, and that was a game that he won. But we don't talk about, hey, remember that game where he totally messed up and embarrassed himself? Remember that? He tripped over his own shoelace. Remember that? You're right. No one talks about that, right? We don't talk about the hours and hours of practice they put into the free throw, at the free throw line just so that they make it look effortless. We always talk about how they make it look effortless, but we don't talk about the practice and the failures they, they put in behind the scenes. And so to make sure that this doesn't happen anymore, in the movie Star Wars, The Last Jedi, Yoda, my favorite character in the whole franchise, he basically says this. He says, and I'm going to try my best, best not to imitate his voice, pass on what you have learned, strength, mastery. It's like the stuff that you learned, he's talking to Luke here. Luke, everything that you learned along the journey, yes, pass it on to the next generation. But weakness... Folly, failure also. He's like, but you have to make sure you tell them the stories of your failures. Why? Yes, failure, most of all. (laughs) The greatest teacher failure is. Okay, I ended up doing it, but yeah, okay. He's like, you become a legend because you are afraid to share your failures with other people. Maybe you're in a small group, life group, or you're just a group of friends, and they talk about how Jesus has been using them in great ways. Without hearing their failure stories, you start to feel small because you're like, wow, that's a spiritual giant. I make mistakes all the time. This person, they, that person sounds like he hears from Jesus all the time. I only hear from him once in a year, maybe, you know, right? Oh, this person reads the Bible every day. I have not read the Bible. It's collecting dust, you know, right? I, like, and you only hear about the success stories of the people in your group, and so you start to feel very little and eventually start idolizing the people who you think are the spiritual giants in your, fa- in, in your world. And Yoda would basically say, no, you, person who's bragging about your spiritual well-being, you need to also share your failures also because that is how this unbalance happens. This is how people like Ray, Finn, and, and, and Poe end up doing these crazy things that end up killing people, not intentionally, right? So he's saying... Stop idolizing the, pa- the past because it's actually doing more harm than good. We're raising a whole generation of people who think that all you have to do is do what Luke Skywalker did and then we're going to be fine only to find out the hard reality is life is not that simple. That life is filled with failure and that's okay as long as you pass that lesson on to the next generation. 
So what part of your past have you, have you idolized and idealized? What's holding you back from actually pursuing the things that God has called you to do? Because whatever that is, according to Paul, let me tell you, whatever it was, it wasn't as rosy as you remember it to be. God has something better for you in the next stage of your life. And to get there, there might be a lot of obstacles. But the obstacles you face and the failures that come with it, they have a purpose too. You get to share those failure stories with the next generation so they can learn from it. And you don't get to become a legend, but that's okay. Amen? All right, let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much.